Once you become aware, the main business that you are here for is to know God, writes theologian J.I. Packer. Most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. Do you think that's true? That, that the main business that we are here for, the, the reason we exist, is to seek and to know God. And if you agree with that wholeheartedly or, or, or mostly or are intrigued with that premise, it leads to the question then, how do we come to know or to find or to see God? How, how do we make that our main business, as J.I. Packer suggests? In 2010, when my daughter Zia was born, writes my friend Anjali Kumar in her book, Stalking God, My Unorthodox Search for Something to Believe in, I decided that I needed to find God. I told myself that Zia would eventually ask me questions that I couldn't answer. And that completely unraveled me, writes Anjali. I was senior counsel at Google at the time, and and when people asked me a question, I was used to giving them an answer with certitude and and with precedent. Then a few days into Zia's life, my father asked where I would be taking Zia and when to our temple, and my spiritual complacency abruptly ended. I felt what I could only describe as this newfound sense of of spiritual curiosity and even urgency. Have you ever felt that way? You arrived at at a crossroads in life when you went to college, when you experienced the loss of, of a parent or dear friend. When you welcomed your own child into the world, when you went through a divorce, when you started a new job, and suddenly you felt your spiritual life deserved attention, a curiosity, a leaning forward. My moment occurred while at college gazing down onto Cayuga Lake in Ithaca, New York. And there, right in that moment, I felt a stirring to to find God, to read the Bible. And thus began my own spiritual journey. And where did Anjali's quest to find God take her? Well, some of the people and places she visited included John of God, a noted faith healer. She, She attended the Burning Man Festival in California. She joined soul cycle in Tribeca. She, she meditated. She traveled to Peru to, to, to commune with God on the top of a mountain. And what happened? Did Anjali Kumar find God? This morning we conclude our series on the Twelve Apostles as over the past few weeks we've reflected on these figures who have shelved help shape the the content and the course of the Christian faith. There is, as we've noted, a a book of the Bible called the Acts of the Apostles, but unfortunately those 
12 quickly recede from its pages. And in order to learn more about them, in particular the the decisions they made, we need to turn to the Gospels. This morning we reflect on our final apostle in our series, Philip, and we first encounter him in John's Gospel early in Jesus' ministry, as Jesus says to to Philip, follow me. And Philip does, and then goes to find Nathaniel, an apostle we considered a few weeks ago. And then Philip encourages his friend to come and see the one Moses wrote about in the law. Philip is then next appears in John's Gospel six chapters later in the feeding of the 5,000. As John's Gospel records, when Jesus looked up and, and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip answered, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy bread enough for each one to eat. Andrew, on the other hand, Simon Peter's brother, declares, well, well here's a, a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. My daughter Hallie turned 18 on Friday. Yes, we are as shocked by that as you might be. (laughs) Perhaps some of you remember, and for Lynn and me, it feels like just yesterday, Hallie would run down that aisle for children's message in her yellow bell dress, her curly blonde hair, and her pink cowboy boots. And to celebrate her birthday, we posted pictures of Hallie on social media And the one I always enjoy is a photograph of her at about a year old, sitting in a a long white dress. And her arms are outstretched in front of her. Her face is beaming, and she sort of looks like a baby Buddha. (laughs) I've often thought there are two kinds of people. There are those who live life with a big smile, and their arms are outstretched. There are others who who offer the world a a wary look and crossed arms. Do you know people like that? Well, Philip is clearly the latter. Unlike Simon Peter, who who speaks before he thinks, Philip is he's cautious. He's practical. He's almost bracingly honest. He effectively says to Jesus, what are you talking about? There is no way that we can buy enough bread to feed these 5,000 people. It would cost a half a year's wages. No way. The next time we encounter Philip is in the 14th chapter of John. And the intensity of the narrative has picked up. Jesus has just told the disciples that, that one of them will betray him, that Peter will deny him. And then Jesus shares that that in death nothing will separate them as there is a mansion where rooms are reserved for them. And if I go and prepare a place for you, says Jesus, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. Now this is a lot 
for the disciples to absorb. It's sort of like sitting in a theater watching the first half of a, of a movie with, with popcorn. And then suddenly the second half of the film is run fast forward. Thomas says to Jesus, somewhat baffled, Lord, we, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then Philip speaks, and I can imagine him with that wary look on his face and and his arms crossed. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. In other words, no more parables. No more foreshadowing. Just show us God. And we will believe. On my quest to find God, writes Anjali, I learned to chant, to meditate, to marvel. I wrestled with my own identity, she writes, my role as a woman and a daughter and a mother and a wife. I questioned my relationships and my core beliefs because now that I had a daughter, I didn't want to believe that the spiritual world was flat. I couldn't just sit back and accept the possibility that if I set to circumvent the globe in search of God, I would reach the end and just fall into a void. Then writes Anjali, something happened. Lord, show us yourself, and that will be enough. On our final day at Machu Picchu in Peru, she writes, I got up early and headed out on a solitary hike, making my way in the light rain and fog along the trail to what is called the Sun Gate. And when I arrived at a plateau, she writes, I I stopped to take it all in and, and to meditate, and I felt wonderment at at nature's beauty more than I've ever felt before. And then suddenly I was struck by lightning. Not the electrical kind, but the God kind. It was a a life-altering jolt. A bright flash. And I was Moses, who had gone into the midst of the cloud, and someone spoke to me, and this is what I heard in my soul I reveal to you the things you need to know in time. If I reveal to you my magnificence all at once, it would be too much for you. So I give you glimpses as you are ready to receive. Anjali reflects that this experience was like a spiritual intervention. I opened my eyes and looked around. And then nobody was there. In our passage from John's Gospel, the Greek word translated as show is is daikson. It's a word that means to to exhibit, to to expose to the eyes, to, to demonstrate, to make known. Now, there are those of us who have spent time in our own spiritual journey reading the Bible. We might remember there are other moments of Dykeson in Scripture. Sometimes they're called epiphanies. We can think of 
of Moses on Mount Horeb, tending a flock of sheep when a burning bush appeared. And Moses heard the word of God. We can think of Paul walking on the road to Damascus, where a great light shone above him and he heard God's voice. But it's fascinating to note after Philip crosses his arms and and assumes that show-me attitude, Jesus does not just respond with, with a demonstration of power. There is no flame. There is no great white light. Rather, Jesus simply says this. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I say to you I do not speak on my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me. One of the books that has guided me in my own spiritual quest is by Yaroslav Pelikan. It's called Jesus Through the Centuries. He notes how there's different ways that people have understood Jesus. In scripture, people call Jesus rabbi or teacher. Jesus liked to call himself the son of man, drawing from a Jewish understanding that at the end of time, a son of man would appear as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west. But what struck me when I read Pelican's book is how he notes that Jesus taught his disciples that that if we want to see God, to, to know God, we don't have to look far. God is actually right in front of you in the person of God's Son. It's that simple. And that profound. Or as Paul writes in our third reading for the morning that Murray read, the sun is the image of an invisible God. Lord, show us yourself, and that will be enough. Well, Jesus' answer must have been enough. In fact, I'd like to imagine that in that moment, Philip had his own epiphany, that he did see in the person of Jesus the image of an invisible God, an image he then carried with him the rest of his life, an image of an invisible God that you can almost discern in the eyes of an artist's depiction of Philip that you find on your bulletin cover. Because Philip went on to become a truly faithful disciple. For the rest of his life, I can imagine him living arms uncrossed and and reaching out in faith to life and to others. We know example after Jesus ascended into heaven as the book of the Acts of the Apostles records that they went upstairs to a room. There was Peter, John, and James and Andrew, and Thomas, and Philip. They joined constantly together in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Philip went on to tell others in in Greece and Syria about Jesus Christ, and tradition maintains he was martyred for his faith, dying on a cross, his arms stretched wide. 
Over the past few weeks, we've asked ourselves how our lives might change if we choose to adopt these decisions that the Twelve Apostles made. This morning, Philip invites us, each of us, to go on our own spiritual quest to find God. For each of us to say, show me. And to ask to receive a divine dykeson. It's a decision that might lead us to a mountaintop like Anjali Kumar or to a Bible study right here, 2354 Robinson Road. And as we go, as we seek to find God, know that what we will discover will be enough. That was Philip's revelation. And that is what Jesus showed Philip. What is seemingly invisible is visible if we know where to look. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.